good to be here with you this morning. I don't know about you. When I watched that bumper that we just saw, I feel like my whole life has been a tug of war lately. Only I'm not doing the tugging. I'm the rope, right? Things are tugging on me like Thursday. I thought this weekend was going to be kind of chill until Chris called me and said, Houston, we have a problem. I tested positive for COVID. Can you preach on Sunday? So the weekend was a little different than what I expected it to be. Um, And it's not just this thing that has happened. It's everything, you guys. It's take your kids to school. Don't take your kids to school. Quarantine your kids. Go to work. Oh, wait, everyone's working from home this week. You know, plan this, cancel that, pivot here, pivot there. This tug of war has become the norm, hasn't it? And we are all the rope. Well, Crosswinds, there's really nothing normal about these times that we're in, and I am so grateful that we are on this journey together. And I just want to thank you for your grace this morning because we are going to get through this as a community, right? Right, we are. Well, um, knowing that Chris was supposed to preach this morning, I kept thinking to myself, okay, how would Chris start his sermon? And then it hit me. He would start with, start with a basketball story. So I am going to channel my inner Chris Coley, and I'm going to start this morning with a basketball story, okay? Well, um, many of you know the name Pete Maravich. Um, if you're an NBA fan, you know that name well because he is easily one of the greatest basketball players who has ever played, and he was really famous back in the 70s. Um, he holds numerous records. Um, he had a legendary college career at Louisiana State, and to this day, he holds Um, the record for the most average points scored in every game, which is like 44 points every game. It's huge. Well, after Louisiana State, um, he played 10 seasons in the NBA, earning five trips to the NBA All-Star Game, and had one league scoring title. Well, not only was Pete legendary just because of his stats, he was legendary for his sportsmanship as well. He was known as one of the greatest ball handlers of all times. People would say that his hands were like magnets. They just attracted the ball. He was so good at how he handled the ball, and he was especially known for his behind-the-back pass. Well, because of his skill on the court, he was given the nickname Pistol Pete, and in 1997, he was selected as one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. Well, not only was Pete a great athlete, but he was also a Christ follower. And on January 5th, 1988, a guy named James Dobson was interviewing him on his radio talk show. And so he showed up for the interview, and James Dobson said, hey, before we do the interview, can we just do four on four? Because why not, right? The great basketball player in your midst, why not play with a living legend if you get the opportunity? So about 45 minutes into this four-on-four game, the players took a break. And as Pete uh, Dobson and Maravich were kind of walking off the court, James Dobson asked Pete, he said, hey, Pete, how are you feeling? And Pete answered, I feel great. Well, a moment later, Pete Maravich crashed to the floor, and he was dead before he even hit the ground. He had experienced a massive heart attack at the age of 40. Completely shocking, no warning signs, just collapsed. And it was later revealed that his death was caused by an undiagnosed heart defect. He had been born with only one coronary artery instead of the usual two. And 15 years later, 
This is what James Dobson says about that event. He says, it was one of the most shocking experience of my life to have a 40-year-old man, one of the greatest athletes of all time, tell me he was feeling fine. He was feeling great. And then to just fall on his face without even breaking his fall and never taking another breath. I will never completely get over that. Well, why am I telling you, out of all the basketball stories I could choose, why am I telling you this one this morning? And it's because I think his story has something really important to teach us. Because I think it is our collective story. I think there is something going on collectively with us as a church, as a society, as a people, as a human race right now. And I think that there are things that are attacking our hearts, and we don't even know it. We don't know how to explain it. We don't know how to put our finger on it. We don't know how to overcome it. But we are all walking around with things that are going on inside of our heart. And they're going on undiagnosed. Well, I think you know that this morning I am not talking about your physical heart. I am talking about your other heart because you have another one that we're going to talk about this morning. I'm talking about that invisible emotional part of you that swells with pride when you see your kid doing something great. I'm talking about that part of you that broke in the ninth grade when that person that you liked told you that they only wanted to be friends. I'm talking about that heart. It's that thing that gets nostalgic when you hear an old song, like a Journey song or an Elvis song. It's a part of you that goes completely nuts when something even remotely close to ugly gets near to your child. The heart I am talking about is that part of you that gives you the ability to love and laugh and fear. The heart that allows you to live and experience life. This is the heart that I want to talk to you about this morning. And the heart that I am talking about is that part of you that really makes life worth living. And you feel that life is worth living. And let me just say this about that heart. Life is not kind to our hearts, is it? It's not kind at all. In fact, what we know to be true is that it can be downright brutal. And we know that as we live our lives that our hearts can be broken, stepped on, beaten, abused. If you have ever had a heartache in your life, you know that to be true, right? But the challenge that we have all been through as a society, as a people, I think it is messing up our hearts as well. This heart that gives us the ability to enjoy and have fun, as Andrea talked about last week, um, to savor and celebrate and plan and embrace and really live. This thing that we've been living through has radically messed up our hearts. The constant state of um, stress and even panic, we know that that stuff can damage our physical hearts, but it can damage your emotional ones too. You know, that video that we just saw of the kids, for all that kids do when they, you know, when they talk, they exaggerate. I think they were pretty accurate on this one, and I love that little girl. She said, You know, sometimes there's just this army of stuff that comes in and it just blocks up your heart. And I know, I know the crud that piles up in our hearts can come from a lot of different things. It can come from wounds from our childhood, traumas from teenage years, and even hurts from adulthood, those events. But you know what, you guys, today I'm kind of going to throw this global pandemic into the mix as well. The fear 
and the anxiety and the unprecedented ways we have had to pivot and change and adapt the chronic state of stress that we kind of live in and the expectation we put on ourselves to act like everything is fine. It's caused junk to get lodged in our hearts without us even knowing it. Well, this current series that we've been in, You Versus You, Winning the Fight of Your Life, is about dealing with some of that junk. It's about dealing with some of the lies that we believe are true, and then we live based on those lies that we believe. So this current series is kind of helping us deal with that junk. But this morning, you guys, I just want to pause. And I'm not going to give you a lie and a truth this morning like we've been doing every week. I want to take a step back even further from those things, and I want to give you space to think about one question. Just one question. You ready? What is the state of your heart this morning? This morning, what I want you to know is that the real fight of your life, the fight that determines the quality of your relationships and the trajectory of your life is the fight over your heart and whether it is healthy or not. And this is the fight, you guys, that you cannot afford not to be in, and you cannot afford not to win. And this is the fight that we're going to talk about this morning, okay? Well, Jesus had a lot to say about your heart, and so we're going to go with his words this morning, and we're going to do a self-check, and you are going to examine the state of your heart. You ready? We're going to start in Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 2. Look at what the passage says. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, kind of a weird verse to start with, but let me explain what's happening here, okay? You see, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they were considered to be like these gatekeepers of the faith. And one of the things they were responsible for was making sure that the laws that God gave to uh, Moses and that Moses handed down were being obeyed. They called these things the Ten Commandments. You might have heard of them, right? The Ten Commandments. At one point in, Je in Jewish history, um, the Jewish people were removed from their homeland and they were exiled to Babylon. But after they had returned home after that exile, the Jewish rabbis decided they needed to safeguard the commandments even more. Um, let's make sure people don't accidentally like, break these commandments, so we're going to make some more. And so they began creating a whole bunch of new rules that applied to the original commandments. And this body of rules was called the tradition of the elders. Now, Chris talked about this a few weeks ago, and he gave you a bunch of examples of these secondary rules. I'm going to give you one more this morning, and it's this one. According to the tradition of the elders, everyone was supposed to wash their hands before they ate. Only this was not your basic hand washing, you guys. There was no cute little song that you could sing and wash your hands at the same time. This was a totally elaborate process where you started at the tips of your fingers and you washed all the way down to your elbows. Well, we are a COVID society, so we get this, right? We understand this rule of the elders. And because they were making sure that that you didn't accidentally just touch something unclean and then touch food and then that food goes into your body and you would defile yourself. So it's just an example of what some of these secondary rules look like. But there are a ton of them, you guys, crazy rules put in place to make sure that nobody broke 
the tent. Make sense? By the time they were done, they had 613 rules instead of just the 10. See, the Pharisees were a little cuckoo. Um, and when the Pharisees approached Jesus in this passage, they are accusing him and his disciples of breaking that hand-washing rule. They say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands. And what they are basically saying is, Jesus, you are not behaving. You are not behaving like you should. And here's what I want you to see. For the Pharisees, life was all about behavior. Do the right thing. Say the right thing. Look the part. And all the rules that they put in place were meant to condition people to behave. And you know what? Jesus was not behaving today, okay? And I got to tell you, whenever I read about the Pharisees, I think these guys are such dorks. Like, I read about them, and I'm like, why would you want 613 rules when you could just live by 10? Who needs more? But then I look at my parenting style, and I realize that I'm a little bit of a Pharisee in how I parent. Because I will never forget the first time I heard it. I was downstairs doing the dishes, and my five-year-old upstairs, I heard him go, oh, my God. Not G-O-D. G-A-W. Oh, my God. And I ran upstairs, and I thought, oh, my gosh, did he, did he break one of the Ten Commandments? Like, did he say, oh, my G-O-D? So I walked up, and I said, what did you just say? And he said, oh, I didn't say it, Mom. I didn't say it. I said, oh, my God. And I was like, okay, all right. At least you didn't say it. But guess what? A little too close to comfort for Mom, right? And so I made a new household rule for the house. And I said, you know what? This is the only thing you guys are allowed to say from here, my, here on out. Oh, my goodness. There is no mistake, you know, my goodness, for oh, my God, oh, my G-O-D, or any other thing. It's very clear. Oh, my goodness. Well, you guys, this is Pharisaic parenting in action, right? Putting down secondary rules so that my kids don't break the really major rules, all of it in an effort to make them behave well. And you know what? I know I'm not the only one that does it. I know you have household rules that you all live by. Turn to your neighbor right now or someone you came with and share with them one rule that you cannot break in your house. Ready? Go. You have them, right? I'm not the only one. But the thing is, you guys, rules don't just stop at home, right? There is a rule system everywhere you go. School rules, work rules, church rules. Most of them having to do with conditioning and modifying our behavior. Well, why am I taking so much time to talk about rules this morning? Listen to what pastor and author Andy Stanley says about our rules. He says, this factor alone is one of the reasons why our hearts are in such poor shape. He says one of the major reasons we rarely stop to monitor our hearts is because it is rarely encouraged. Growing up for most of us was all about monitoring our behavior and behaving well. If we behave well, we're rewarded. If we misbehave, not so good things happen. Very early on, we learned that if we could just control our behavior, life would go well for us. And as a result, as adults, are you ready? We are better at monitoring our behavior. 
than monitoring our hearts. As adults, we are better at monitoring our behavior than at monitoring our hearts. And let me tell you, I feel this so strongly lately. Um, My 13-year-old son plays water polo. He has practice every day from 4.30 to 6.30. It's a lot. And he came home the other day, got him in the car, he sat down, he goes, I can't do it. I can't go, I just can't go tonight. I can't do it. And um, immediately, I said, immediately I said to him, so no, you need to go. You made a commitment to your team. You made a commitment to your coach. You are going. That is what I told him. But here's what was going on in my mind. <laughs> As a mom, I have to behave, right? I have to teach my kid to keep his commitments, teach him stick to I need to be a good mom. I need to make him go. I need to behave so he can behave. But you guys, at the same time, there was another voice swirling. I have a lot of voices swirling, by the way, you guys. There's another voice swirling. And it was saying, you know what? Our kids have been through a lot, too. They have been the rope, and they have been tugged on. And I didn't know what to do. I had all these conflicting thoughts. What do I do? So I called my sister. I explained to her. I'm like, what do I do? It's just water polo practice. What do I do? And you know what she said? She said, we are expected to behave as if everything is normal. Keep going. Don't slow down. Do it all. Behave, behave, behave. And then she said, Jody, nothing's normal right now. Maybe you just need to stop behaving and listen to your heart on this one. And you know what? (laughs) The thing that we're about to see, I think Jesus would be so proud of my sister because he, too, is telling us the same thing. And he's going to show us in this next verse how how we should listen to our heart. you got to hang with me for a minute, but let me just explain how to listen to your heart, okay? Jesus responds to the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 3. Jesus replied, he says, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And he's telling them, you guys, all you care about is the rules. You make more rules and you end up breaking the other rules. You guys are a mess. And then he turns to the the disciples in um, verse 10, and he says, you guys, listen and understand. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth, they come from the heart. And these are the things that defile them. In other words, it's not what goes in that defiles you. It's what comes out of you that matters. And whatever comes out of you is coming from this seat of life that we have, and it is our heart. And so listen, you guys, I say a lot of stupid things throughout the week. I really do. I am infamous on our staff for putting my foot in my mouth, and then I have to go back and apologize to people. It happens all the time. I say things that I really don't mean. It just flies out. So is Jesus serious that everything that I say reflects my heart? All of my words, whether or not I'm joking or serious, and the answer, you guys, is yes. Jesus does not mince his words here. He says that everything that comes out of our mouths comes from our heart, and guess what? It gets worse. Jesus goes on to say that our hearts are not only responsible for the crud that we say, they are responsible for the crud that we do. Look at verse 19. He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Now he comes full circle to the hand-washing thing. He says, but eating with unwashed hands 
doesn't defile a person. And you know what? If you're like me, you've been taught that all bad behavior begins where? In your mind. And if you can just wallpaper your mind with a bunch of good thoughts, then everything you do will come from those thoughts and you will be fine. But listen, you guys, Jesus says no. All the stuff we do, the wrong thoughts, everything, it goes deeper. They come from your heart. Actions, behaviors, thoughts, frustrations, outrages, all of this comes from your seat of life, your heart. And you guys, this is so key, okay? This is, where, this is where, if you've been tracking with me, everything comes full circle right here. This is so key. The way that you listen to your heart and know what is going on in there, the way you give yourself a heart check is by examining your words and your actions. What is coming out? Because according to Jesus, what comes out of you is an indicator of what is happening inside of you. And it's something that we need to check. Um, I said earlier that Pete Maravich, he had no warning signs, right? There were no warning signs for this thing that was about to happen. Um, but when it comes to our emotional hearts, we have some early warning signs that tell us maybe we're not as fine as we think we are, and you've got some undiagnosed stuff going on inside of you. You want to know what your early warning signs are? They happen in the form of what I call an all-of-a-sudden moment. Here they are. See if this has ever happened to you. All of a sudden, you're triggered by something, and out of nowhere, a tidal wave of terrible-sounding words come gushing out of your mouth, and afterwards, you ask yourself, where did that come from? Hmm. All of a sudden, you think to yourself, I can't believe I did that again. Now I have to go apologize for that same thing I did yesterday. I'm going to have to go back and apologize for it again. Suddenly, you are incredibly angry or enraged, and you don't know why. All of a sudden, you wake up one day, and you are unhappy and depressed and crabby, and you don't know what has triggered you. All of a sudden, it's January 23rd, which is today, and you cannot figure out why you are feeling like you aren't more excited for the year and why every day feels like you are walking through mud. Anyone feel that lately? All of a sudden, you guys, something happens out of the blue, and there is no good reason to explain why you are triggered. And if you have had one of these all-of-a-sudden moments lately where you can't figure out why you're responding the way that you are, it's because you have a blockage somewhere in there. You got one of those blockages going on, and it's finding its way out. It's finding its way out. So here's the thing, you guys. If you want to know what's going on with your heart internally, pay attention to what's coming out of you externally. Pay attention to your words and your actions. And if you don't remember anything about this morning, if you don't remember anything about this morning, remember this, because this is truth. Your heart will find its way into every relationship and every conversation you have. Your heart will find its way into every relationship and conversation you have. So it matters this morning, as Jesus said, that we listen and we understand that our words and our actions are telling us something about the condition of our hearts. And if we don't check ourselves, it will just keep messing us up because your, your heart will always expose itself to the people that you love 
and the ones closest to you. I heard um, a story a while ago, and I, I, I think about it often. It was about a pastor who had always wanted to witness an open heart surgery. Don't know why, but he wanted to. And one of his friends was a heart surgeon, so he said, hey, can I just come be there with you? Can I just come watch it? And so his friend said yes, and so he went to watch this open heart surgery. And when it was all done, he did something very interesting. He walked up to the head of the table to the woman and while she was still asleep, and he said, Mrs. Johnson, your heart is in repair. Tell your heart to beat again. Tell your heart to beat again. And you know what, Crossland? Some of you this morning, you have been acting like everything is fine. That's what we're conditioned to do, right? But your spiritual heart is barely beating, and you know it. And what I want to tell you this morning is that Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? Jesus changes everything. That is what he does. He is the great physician, and he is telling your heart to beat again. He's whispering to you, hey, you, you with the busted heart, I know the last few years have been rough, and you've, you've got some stuff in there that's making your life feel like crap, but your heart can beat again. And I want to tell you something. If you're hearing that from God, he's not just making that a suggestion. He is giving that to you as a promise. Look at what Ezekiel chapter 36 says. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I just feel it so strongly, Crosswind, that we have been through too much lately too much to not take the opportunity to ask the most important question that you can ask yourself. How is your heart? What is going on internally with this thing that gives you life? And as a first step in answering that question and dealing with that, here's the thing. First step. Stop acting fine if you're not. Okay, stop acting fine. Stop behaving, Crosswind. Stop behaving. Stop for a minute. Because Jesus is reminding us this morning that the fight of our lives is the fight over the health of our hearts, whether it's healthy or not. And you have to be willing to be honest with yourself and let other people be honest with you about how you're doing. And here is where my challenge to you comes in this morning. Are you ready? hard one <laughs> if you want to know the condition of your heart ask the people closest to you sit down and talk with your family ask them how do you think I'm doing right with your roommates with the people that you work with ask them a very specific question and here it is what are my words and actions telling you about how I'm doing you sit down and you have that heart to heart okay and I'll tell you, they know. You know why? Because they're on the receiving end of it. They might have been waiting for a long time for you to, to ask them this question so they can tell you, here's what I see. Here's what I see happening. Here's what's going on. And then if you hear something that you want to change, here's the next thing you do. You have to invite God into it. God, help me be aware of these things. Help me be aware of what I need to change. Bring people around me. 
that can help me handle these things and tackle these things because you know what? God, I want my heart to beat again. I want my life back. Don't you want your life back if you feel like it's just, you know, out there somewhere? Get it back. Get it back. Ask God to be involved in that. And then if there are some things you just don't know how to handle, I want to invite you to um, reach out to one of our pastoral counselors, Sarah Holstra. She would love to sit and talk with you about getting deeper into some of these things. You can email her at counseling at crossroadschurch.org, and she um, will respond back to you. But it's time for a little cleanup work, isn't it? You ready to do it? All right, let's stand and pray. God, I just thank you so much. Just that phrase, Jesus changes everything. I, I cannot think of how many people I've talked to when I ask them how they are. They're like, I'm just hanging in there. Just hanging in there. But God, you want us to thrive. You want us to live and love and play. And so I ask that you would just help us be brave this week. Help us to ask the tough questions, to ask the people that we love, how do you think I am doing? If my heart is on the verge of collapse, God, make my heart beat again. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for coming, you guys. We'll see you next week.